Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. When does all this end? That's the question I get all the time now. All 
the time people come up to me and ask me when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic, if you want to still call it that, the coronavirus lockdowns. When does this end, Jesse? When does it end? When do you think it will end? When can we get past this? And I tell people all the time, we are going to have to want to get past it first. I'm about to give you some hard truth tonight as we talk about the lockdowns and lockdown madness. And this sucks. It doesn't do me any pleasure to say things like this, but this is our fault. This lockdown, insanity, the business closures, everything, this is our fault. I'm not blaming you personally. I'm not blaming me personally. You know where I was on day one of all this stuff. But as a society... Our politicians in general, not only do we send them there, while they're there, we all like to yell about them, but they pretty much do the things that will keep them there. I see people mad all over the place about uh, this governor, this mayor, Governor Newsom, Governor Cuomo, that idiot in Los Angeles, Lori Lightfoot of Chicago, de Blasio, you, you know, you know them all. I'm mad. I'm super mad. How people are mad. Everyone's mad. Show me. Show me at the ballot box next election. And you know what? I bet you I'm going to see you're not that mad. People love to tell you how mad they are. What do I always say? Show me. I need to see it. You know, uh, Ilhan Omar is a great example of this, not to get too sidetracked here. That idiot congresswoman from Minneapolis, totally radical nut job. On top of all the just bigoted things she's publicly said, mired in scandal. I mean, possible, just fraud, just horrible. The whole country hates her, right? Everyone hates her. Everyone's mad at Ilhan Omar. She just got reelected easily and will be reelected until the day she dies if she, cho- if she so chooses. Okay, so you're not mad. You're not mad. At least the people of her district aren't mad. When the politicians, when coronavirus came out and the media ran with every scare story they could and they're showing you videos from Italian hospitals and people are dying and everyone ran home scared as soon as the government told us to. Everyone hid inside, turned on Netflix, got fat, worked from home, lost their job as soon as the government told us to. We did it as soon as we agreed to do it. In the United States of America, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the circumstances are, the American response, when a governor, mayor, president, senator, anybody tells you, go home, no, I don't think I will. Close your business, Ah, no, I don't think I'll do that either. Wear this, don't wear that. You're allowed to go here. You're not allowed to go there. You're not allowed to tell me these things. Now, you can make your own choices when it comes to that. You can be informed on this doctor thinks this, this doctor thinks that. And you're allowed to make your choice from there. If you're somebody worried about coronavirus itself, that's fine. It's totally fine. Make your own choices. But whatever you think about it, It's important that we remember they didn't have the authority to tell us all the things they told us, and we all still obeyed anyway. And when does this end? Well, I don't know how to put this a nice way. Whenever you're ready for it to end. 
I mean, the politicians are not going to get tired of this power. Do you think the mayor of Los Angeles, the governor of California, Illinois, New York, do you think these governors, the idiot in Pennsylvania, Wolf, do you think these people are going to wake up tomorrow morning? Oh, man, how'd you sleep, honey? I slept good. You know what? I'm sick of this power. I think I'm going to give some of it back. I just don't, I don't want the power anymore over people. I don't want to be able to tell people what to wear. I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to enjoy having this kind of power anymore. Does that sound ridiculous? Because it is. People who acquire power, they seek it out and then they acquire it. Those are your politicians. They don't wake up one day and say, oh man, I'm sick of it. Coronavirus ain't going anywhere. I know we're all supposed to be excited about this rush job vaccine and that rush job vaccine and we have this and that. Um, it's never going away. You're going to be able to test people for coronavirus and they're going to test positive 10 years from now if you want. It's a virus. If you don't believe me, I realize I don't have a medical degree, do just a tiny amount of research into the other viruses that are out there and see if they've gone away. They ain't going away. Either your mentality will change, my mentality will change, or this is how it is now. This is how it is. The death of small business, the death of America's mental well-being as the suicides continue to go up, drug abuse goes up, alcohol abuse goes up, spouse abuse goes up, child abuse goes up. Either we accept that as, well, that's just, what, what's that word they love to use? The new normal, or we decide enough is enough. But you ask when it's going to end? Well, the American people just went to the ballot box. Humongous election. And fraud or no fraud, half the country went to the ballot box and thought, I want to lock down some more. That can be hard for you to understand. That can be hard for me to understand. That can be tough to take in. But let's be frank. As sick of it as you may be, that don't mean everybody feels that way. Does Joe Biden, listen to Joe Biden here. Does Joe Biden sound like a man who's getting ready to take his foot off the gas with lockdowns? We all agreed that we want to get the economy back on track. We need our workers to be back on the job by getting the virus under control. We're going in a very dark winter. Things are going to get much tougher before they get easier. And that requires sparing no effort to fight COVID so that we can open our businesses safely, resume our lives, and put this pandemic behind us. It's going to be difficult, but it can be done. Dark winter. And let's be frank, when it comes to coronavirus, the cases are way up. Not that I take as much stock in those because we're testing symptom-free people, but cases are up, hospitalizations are up. We might be going into a coronavirus winter as the weather gets cold and everybody crowds inside around each other. So let me ask you, well, we're piling up. Let's see, we have debt, we have suicide, we have addiction. We have small businesses all basically being wiped out. The economy in tatters when you look at the actual finances of it, and yet cases are going up. What's your response going to be when the politicians tell you, go here, don't go there, go to bed at this time, make sure you wear this in your home, wear this in a restaurant, you're not allowed to do this. 
Because again, coronavirus isn't going away. It's not going away tomorrow, next week, next month, next presidential administration. Coronavirus is here to stay for a while. It just is. It goes away. All this madness goes away when you're tired of it, when I'm tired of it. It's true. Uh, this is uh, Joe Biden's coronavirus task force doctor. When you look at the personal savings rate in this country, it's now gone from about 8% to over 22%. We have a big pool of money out there that we could borrow at the historic low interest rates by the federal government. We could pay for a package right now to cover the, all of the wages, lost wages for individual workers, for losses to small companies, to medium-sized companies, yeah. for cities, states, county governments. We could do all of that. If we did that, then we could lock down for four to six weeks. And if we did that, we could drive the numbers down like they've done in Asia, like they did in New Zealand and Australia. And then we could really watch ourselves cruising into the vaccine availability in the first and second quarter of next year. Four, four to six weeks? Uh, setting that aside, we're going to borrow the money to pay everybody's wages and all the lost business revenue. We're just going to, wow, interest rates are low. Let's just borrow the cash. What? What? And again, I'm not bitter about the election. I'm genuinely not. I told you that night I wasn't going to be, but... That's the Biden response. This is what Trump had said the American people chose. I will not go. This administration will not be going to a lockdown. Hopefully, the, the uh, whatever happens in the future, who knows which administration it will be. I guess time will tell. But uh, I can tell you this administration will not go to a lockdown. There won't be necessity. Lockdowns cost lives. Okay, that was the direction we were going to go. Again, I am not going to do the I'm mad about the election thing, but you get what you voted for. We chose. When will this end? As soon as we're ready. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We'll be back. Joining me now, quickly becoming one of my favorite guests, Jeff Charles of RedState.com, LibertyNation.com, and host of the Red and Black Show. Jeff, are you a Sour Patch Kids guy? Have you had the new strawberry Sour Patch Kids? <laughs> well, first off, you're becoming one of my favorite hosts to interview with, so it's mutual. But uh, as far as Sour Patch Kids, I mean, I'm not really into sweets. But when I was younger, I was. And if I was going, I, I, I didn't always eat candy. But when I did... It was that fun dip. Remember the fun dip where they had the little bars and, oh. and, the, and like the sugar powder, and you dip it in there. That was amazing. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I never had the patience though to go with the candy stick. I would just dump the fun dip sugar right into my <laughs> body and just just go absolutely insane for a while. All right, Jeff. 
I will be honest. There's not much. There's not much that makes me look at, at the American people in general and do that fatherly. I'm disappointed in you thing. I just we're a diverse country. We have different beliefs, left, right, up, down. People have different religions, and I'm really I'm okay with all of it. Our response collectively to the coronavirus lockdowns bummed me out. It still bums me out when I think about this. How many people were told, shut up, go home, wear this, don't you be out after 10? And not only did they do it, they're still doing it. Do we still care about liberty? Actually, yes, I do. I mean, because... We are, I mean, obviously our governors are imposing these ridiculous restrictions. I mean, Governor Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania said that you have to wear masks at home also if you have company over. The thing is, though, that here's the thing, how many people are actually complying with these orders? I mean, they can't really enforce them, right? I mean, unless they're going to turn us all in, into Gladys Kravitz and we're going to be watching our neighbors, they can't really enforce how many people we have over for Thanksgiving. So from what I've heard from people back in California, which is where I'm originally from, a lot of people aren't really going to comply with these with these regulations. And if you look at New York, look at New York State, Andrew Cuomo, his orders for Thanksgiving, a lot of sheriff's department have just straight out said we are not going to enforce this crap. So while the the far left Democrats can impose these rules, I don't think that most Americans are willing to comply and give up give up their liberty. And it's, it's especially easy when they know that these things can't really be enforced. How, what are the percentages, though, Jeff? I mean, look, if you tell me 20% of Americans are still, you know, hiding in fear in their bubbles, okay, I can live with that. But I'm, I'm looking at the election numbers fairly down the line for Democrats, Republicans. I know probably lost the presidency, gained some seats in the House, but let's just call it 50-50. I don't want to nitpick on things. That sounds like half the country wants more of it. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and there will always be that split. I mean, there will always be people in any country there will be people who want freedom and liberty, and there will people be people who prioritize the safety of the government over freedom. That's always going to. That's always been a, a tension that that has existed in this country even since the days of the founding. So, am I disturbed that half the populace would rather have the government dictate to them what they would should do? Yeah, I am disturbed by that. Although I don't know if it would be as much as fifty percent. I, I suspect that there are even a lot of Democrats who are fed up with these rules. I mean, if you look at how a lot of these Hollywood types pushed back against Governor Newsom when he first came out with the, with the Thanksgiving restrictions, I think, it's, I, think the, I think more of the people are on our side on this. Jeff, what makes, what makes somebody crave liberty and freedom versus somebody who doesn't? I do find this fascinating because, look, let's, let's assume it is 50-50. Or, 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 or whatever, we know there are a bunch of people out there who, yeah. who want more government control versus someone like you who does not. Why? What's the separation? Is this parenting? Is this church? Is this no church? Is it, What is it? That That is a very interesting question. Some of it could be upbringing. Some of it could be what they learn when they go to college. Some of it could be what they learn uh, by watching TV and watching movies. To me, I think it boils down to, the, to this. I mean, it boils down to, to a few things, but I think a lot of it is which type of people, which scenario do people feel safer under? There are people who feel safe when the government intervenes and tells us what to do and takes care of our needs. Whereas people who are more value, more liberty, think that we're safer when we can make our own choices without the government intruding. As a matter of fact, 
we see too much government involvement as dangerous. And that's what we're afraid of. That's what keeps us up at night, the, the thought of that happening. So I think it just depends on really how much confidence one has in the individual and in themselves. Because if you think that the government should take care of everything for you, then you probably don't have much confidence in your fellow man and in yourself. However, if you're more on the liberty side, you might recognize that there's some need for a government and that government should do certain things, but you don't want them to do everything or even most things. Jeff, now I'm about to ask you something uncomfortable, and I say uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable for me. I don't know if it will be for you. I like small government. I don't want government involved in business. At the same time, what I'm seeing because of these lockdowns, I mean, the numbers I'm seeing right now, Jeff, they're, they're staggering. This is actually, a, this was something put out there by Dan Price, Amazon profit up 100%, Walmart profit up 80%, Target profit up 80%, Lowe's profit up 74%, on and on and on we go. Microsoft, Facebook, small business, 21% of them closed, revenue down for 30% of the rest of them. I don't want government involved. However, I don't want the rise of 10 mega corporations who will oligarchy our way into something different either. What should I be feeling about this? Because I got to tell you, brother, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I mean, other than stopping the shutdowns, I'm not sure what else can be done. I mean, the reason why small businesses are going out of business is because we have these dr draconian measures that are be being put into place. I don't really have a problem with large corporations making money. I mean, that, I mean, a, a lot of small businesses would probably like to become mega businesses. However, I don't think it should be at the expense of small businesses. And I do not think that the government should should implement policies that clearly benefit the larger corporations while screwing over the small business owner. I mean, that that, that is the fabric of America. I mean, most Americans are employed by small businesses. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of these businesses, but really there's not much the government can do other than, you know, handing out more bailout money, but that's only a band-aid. The solution is to let these businesses operate Whereas, I mean, Amazon can still operate, right? I mean, I've contributed to their, to, to their revenue growth, right? But if a, if a small business down the street is closed, I can't give them my business. So we need to figure out what to do with these shutdowns. I understand the dangers of the coronavirus. I understand that the numbers are, are going up in some cases. But at the same time, we have seen small and large businesses put, um, put precautions into place to prevent the spread of of, of the virus. So I think that the free market can still handle this better than the government can. I agree the free market can handle it. I, I don't want the federal government to step into Amazon. Believe me, I've funded, definitely my wife has funded plenty of it. I, I funded them <laughs> myself. I don't, I don't, I'm not even anti-Amazon. Like I said, I'm not anti-Lowe's. I was just there last Saturday. I'm not anti-big corporation. However, these lockdowns are wiping out all the small ones. And if people don't crave liberty, if the lockdowns aren't going to stop at the back end of this whole thing, we're looking at something totally different. You're getting your hair cut, your tires changed, and ordering your groceries off Amazon.com. That's not healthy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's not. I mean, and, and it does encourage us to be isolated from one another or to really only know people online. I mean, it, there's yeah. so many different dangers to it that people haven't thought about. Their eyes are just focused on the coronavirus and I don't want to catch it and die, even though the survival rate is, is, is sky high. It seems like there are other solutions to this than rather than just locking things down. But I think that the, the pro-lockdown crowd doesn't want to consider any other potential solution. And you know what? The long-term 
ramifications of this could actually end up being worse than COVID-19 itself. I mean, if people are out of work, you've got people, sadly, committing suicide. You've got people getting hooked on, on drugs, getting addictions. There are so many other factors here that are dangerous. The coronavirus is not the only dangerous factor in this equation, and we have to look at all of the consequences and figure out actual solutions rather than just saying, oh, just, just lock it all down, we'll be fine. That, that's not gonna work. Why don't you like sweets? What is your problem? I understand not being big on sweets, but who just doesn't like sweets? You know, it's just, I, I did when I was a kid, and then when I got older, I'm more, I'm more of a savory guy. Now, if I do eat something sweet, it's gonna be like, like cake or something like that, and I have to be in the mood for it. It happens like once every three months, I'll want something sweet. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I prefer a sandwich. I prefer, you know, actual food than just something sweet. It's just, it just doesn't work for me. Okay. I can't kill you for and that. If you were to put a plate of pizza is the devil too, by the way. I'll just, I just want to throw that out there. See, I agree with that. See, I, and I can't kill you for that. If you were to put a plate of waffles in front of you versus eggs and bacon, I go eggs and bacon all day long. I, so I guess I can't kill you for that. Jeff Charles, appreciate you, my man. Great being here. Thank you. Yeah, I guess I'm not big on sweets either now that I think about it. I like them, though. It's not big on them. All right, I don't want to start a controversy. We'll be back. Joining me now, Republican strategist and attorney Amanda Mackey. Amanda, this lockdown madness that is clearly back, is clearly going to be back, people convinced themselves, a lot of people on the right did, that once the election came, that all this coronavirus lockdown stuff was going to, it was all going to end. And it never made sense to me because when have politicians ever given back power willingly? You know, I, um, I I was one of those who believed that it would, too, because I thought this was all about bringing down President Trump. And I still believe that. I still really believe that um, what happened and um, what happened in Wuhan to uh, really bring us to our knees here in the United States, you couldn't have planned this better if you'd wanted to, um, really was was just that. And so I thought surely that would happen. It would be over November 4th. Um, and, and it kind of was because remember the uh, what we were seeing in the streets, the celebrations for Joe Biden, uh, there was no social distancing there. Please don't even go there to tell me that they were, you know, they were in lockdown mode like they had pretended to be for, you know, the last uh, the last year. So that was all a bunch of crap. And uh, and they were all, uh, you know, in full force out next to each other and celebrating. But, you know, Trump was the evil guy. Uh, so oh, anyway, I think that what has basically happened is that uh, they find they are finding a way to try and limit our civil liberties. I really think that's where it's going. I mean, this mask mandate isn't even constitutional. I don't know how you impose a national mandate for uh, for masks. Now there is, I'm gonna go a little nerdy here on you because I am a healthcare attorney. There's the section 361 of the Public Health Service Act. So te technically you could have an executive order come through. The CDC could, uh, could require it. However, there is absolutely a constitutional issue here. 
Congress cannot require you to buy something and then regulate it. And that's where their jurisdiction would come if they tried to do this on the federal level. It would have to go through the Commerce Clause, and there's no way that's possible that you can do that. So what Joe Biden would have to do is go to the governors, go to mayors, and say, you need to do this. And that's what he said he would do. Um, I, I can tell you Governor DeSantis is not going to care what Joe Biden has to say. Yeah, we're all going to be living in Florida here soon because my governor has been an idiot throughout this whole thing. I'm, I'm thrilled, thrilled with Ron DeSantis. I, and, and who doesn't love Florida anyway? All right. Now, that leads me to this point, though. Amanda, if they don't do it, if the federal government can't mandate this, like a vaccine, you have to take the vaccine, and all the states won't do it. What I've worried about is this. If once the leftists own the entire culture, which they do, they own it all, including the corporations now, the education system, everything else, they don't have to mandate it by law. They'll just get people like Ticketmaster, who we saw recently. Well, you can't have your concert tickets then unless you've been vaccinated. And you know this is coming soon. You can't get on your plane unless you've been vaccinated. You can't go here unless you've been vaccinated. Oh, you can't eat here. Show me your vaccination papers. They'll just do it outside of the law because they own it all. Well, that's a little scary when I think about, you know, artists and Hollywood setting policy for me and others. I worry about that, but I can totally see it happening because that is uh, that is their, you know, that is their agenda. Um, look, you know, the, the vaccination mandates is this is a long, long been an issue for uh, a lot of moms out there are, you know, crying about why why are you telling us what is best for you know, our, our children. Why do we have to vaccinate? Now, I'm not going to get into that whole argument. I'm just saying there is a huge group of people, um, especially moms, that say, you know, we can determine what vaccines are best. And this was actually, I don't know if you remember this in uh, with Rick Perry when he was governor of Texas, requiring the HPV vaccine. Um, this was back about 10 years ago. So we have had these controversies before. Um, what I can say is that we're going to have a lot of people uh, maybe rising to the level of, you know, people really going against people or organizations like Ticketmaster if they're going to require vaccinations or going against the airlines or train or what have you. Certainly with schools, we're going to see that. But you're right. They're all controlled by uh, by the Democrats. And so we, we need to make sure that we keep the Senate because there will at least be some sanity in Washington if things don't end up going our way with these court cases for President Trump. Amanda, how sure are we that, uh, you know, that people are going to push back? I, and I don't want, look, I'm not trying to be king cynic here, but I watched half this country or more willingly go home and just start eating ice cream in front of Netflix for weeks at a time because Big Daddy government told them to. I mean, we, I, I worry that we get in these right-wing bubbles sometimes where we can see clearly what's happening and we assume everyone else can. I don't know that Americans are going to rebel against Ticketmaster. I think they'll be out there buying ACDC tickets on their phone before you know it. Well, um, I certainly would love to see ACDC. I'm a big concert fan, and so it'd be nice I'll to, be you know. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to go to a concert. Uh, look, I'll tell you. 
<laughs> come to Florida. We're having concerts here. Um, you know, people here are living, and it's very hard for me to believe that people are just, you know, cooped up in their homes. But, you know, my family lives in Maryland. My father is a physician, and, yeah, they really do. It's, it's such a huge difference between the way people are living in Florida and the way they are in other parts of the country. But, look, that's because we don't have a governor who's saying – stay at home. You know, we're going to take your kids out of school again. You know, all this like Governor Cuomo is and scaring people, the summit that he's holding with all the other governors of the northeastern states. Gee, go figure. They're all they're all Democrats, not a single Republican, you know, except for Massachusetts. And, you know, we won't get into that. But but the point is, is that um, this is what they do to gin up the scare because they've got to they've got to, you know, cover up their tracks of what they've been doing, the foundation that they laid out for over the year, which I truly believe did end in, you know, the in the presidency. This is what they were trying to do. Um, and hopefully it won't end up with, you know, Joe Biden. But if it does, this is what they did. This is how they got there. Amanda, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I love them. I will, I will admit fully, I talk about them on my radio show all the time. I love conspiracy theories. I just don't really believe in any of them, except for the fact that the mob killed Kennedy, but that's another story entirely. But this Wuhan virus thing, it is always, it, it, it's never sat right with me. Not that I think there was some global pandemic thing, but how many entities in the United States of America and the world seem to be enjoying this? Everyone saw a video earlier this week of Justin Trudeau talking about the Great Reset. The media loved coronavirus and still loves it. Democrats love it and still love it. China is loving this entire thing. It's always weirded me out a little too much. Am I crazy? Do I need a tinfoil hat? I think if you look back to what Senator Tom Cotton has been saying since the very beginning, since January, um, back when we were, you know, watching the Super Bowl, he was talking about this, um, this virus, and he was talking about we have got to stop travel between uh, China and the United States. We've got to ban commercial flights. He was the first person talking about this. In fact, there's a National Review article that talks about a Senate hearing, now Senate-wide, not just Democrats or not just Republicans, with 14 senators, 14 out of 100 attending. So I don't think this was taken seriously. I think people just dismissed it. Oh, it's, you know, whatever. Senator Cotton was the only one sounding the alarm on what was happening. You were seeing that they were shutting down, they were shutting down uh, these, uh, their CDC type um, uh, labs. They were, they were censoring their scientists. Why? Why were they doing that? So I think that there is more to it. Of course, we'll never know because, you know, once the Chinese get involved in shutting anything down, you're never going to find out. So, you know, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I do have eyes. And that's what Senator Cotton says. I don't know science. He says, my background's on science. I've had my eyes on China. And I continue to have eyes and see what is happening. So, look, none of us is going to know, but we can do our research and do our homework and see what the, what the China virus, uh, as it was <laughs> dubbed by the president, what this could have been and what this has possibly produced. We can't be dumb about it. Let's at least get ourselves educated about what happened and the timeline between January and today.
Amanda Mackey. Thank you, ma'am. We'll be at a concert soon. Absolutely. ACDC. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll be back. Joining me now, Carol Roth, creator of the Le Future File Legacy Planning System, of which I am an owner and former investment banker. Carol, do Americans, do people in general, do, uh, everywhere, do they actually crave liberty? Or, or is that something we Americans tell ourselves about ourselves and about other people? I think that the country is at a point of crisis where there are two different groups of people. I firmly believe and know a lot of people, yourself I would imagine, and myself included, who do crave liberty, who want freedom, personal responsibility, personal accountability, You know, believe that the founding principles of this country are good, believe in small government, free markets and the like. And I have been learning um, brutally over months and weeks and years that there are a whole slew of people who really wish we were Venezuela, but fancy Venezuela, as long as there is, you know, enough money for, for them to get everything they want. Um, and there's just this complete disconnect and they are willing to trade the smallest little incentives for them for all of the re rest of the bad stuff that goes away. So they want the bad stuff, you know, potentially should get fixed, but just don't touch the stuff that's good for me. And therefore we can have no fix because no politician's gonna have the courage to take away something that, you know, is a benefit to you or to the next person. And we are in a massive downward spiral and I have never been less optimistic than I am today. I'm, so I'm sorry to be that person, Jesse. Look, I want honesty from you, Carol. I want honesty, yeah. look, that's fine. What is it they crave about it? Look, I can't relate. And I know you probably, you undoubtedly yeah. can't relate either. But I try to put my myself in the shoes of my enemy, or at least in the mind of my enemy. I want to know how they think and why they think that way. Who sits around and asks for more government control? Does this come down to less talented people who can't make it and still they don't want Carol Roth to make it? Is that what it is? I mean, there's certainly some of the 80-20 rule going on, right? 20% of the people are sort of dragging everybody along with it. And as you get bigger scale, the numbers that you're dragging along become bigger. Um, but I think that people have had it so good for so long that they have no idea what goes on in the rest of the world. I mean, think about how many people come here from oppressed areas of the world and want to participate in the American dream only to find a bunch of naive Americans who keep saying, no, no, we don't want that freedom. We don't want the free markets. We want more government control. And it's almost like a government Stockholm syndrome where you've got these people who have been held hostage and are sympathizing with their oppressors and don't realize that all of the issues that they have problems with are government created. So there, there are just so many factors that are creating this mess and this branding. And, you know, you look around and see everyone had a, a grade and, you know, I, I should have the best school that costs six figures, but by the way, I should get whatever grades that I want and go to whatever thing I want and not have to, you know, decide that I'm taking a certain major or you know, do something that actually produces a result from that because I exist. And this is the out 
fall of the trophy generation. Everyone got a trophy for participating. Everyone wanted to shield their kids from you know, bad outcomes happening. And when you don't pe teach people to struggle, then they assume that they shouldn't have to at any part of their life. The only way to do that is with the government's help. So it's a parenting thing, because I don't disagree with you at all. Look, I, I'm one of the few people I know, and I'm from the Republican suburbs of Texas. I want my kid to get cut from the basketball team when he tries out because he didn't work hard enough. I don't want the perfect five-star yeah. athlete. I want him to know pain and failure, because that's what actually creates growth. But these parents, I, I, I'm dumbfounded by what I see, and I'm not exactly in downtown San Francisco. It's a parenting thing. Yeah, I definitely think it is a breaking apart of the family. There are obviously a lot of people that are that have come from broken homes. They come from homes where uh, everybody has the cool parent who wants to be the friend instead of an actual parent. I mean, when I was growing up, you could walk around your neighborhood and any parent in the neighborhood could discipline you or yell at you for like do just like looking the wrong way. Like if you look sideways <laughs> and they thought like oh no, you look like you're up to no good, that anyone in there could, you know, say, you, you're coming with me, miss, and let me tell you. And, and there was this, like, fear of authority. That has completely disintegrated. Nobody fears authority. Nobody fears anything. No one has any manners. It's all just personal entitlement. But then, it's not just personal entitlement. It's if you don't agree with me and you're not going to give things to people that I'm going to bully you into submission and go and, and, you know, troll your products and your business and whatever, because you're not conforming to the way that I think that you should be thinking. I mean, it's really, really horrendous. Now, I'm not anti-wealth, so don't jump down my throat, investment <laughs> banker. Believe me, I love money as much as the next man. Recovering but did we get too rich? Banker. Did we get too rich? Is, is that what it is? Is it just a simple arc of history as soon as a nation and empire gets too rich that you only head one direction after that? Like you, I mean, you pointed it out earlier. Our poor people, we've got iPhones out there. Everybody, everybody drives a certified pre-owned Prius or better. Everybody, everyone has three square meals a day around here. We just, we just got too rich. It's the good times create weak men uh, analogy, right? Good times create weak men. And basically, it just it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And unfortunately, we have people who really, we've had some economic issues. I don't want to downplay the fact that we haven't. You know, obviously, we had the, the Great Recession. We've had an SNL crisis. And we've had sort of these micro crises. But it's not the same thing. You know, it's like, you know, my dad was alive during the Second World War. You know, we have uh, extended friends and family members who were in the Holocaust. There, there, there were people who really endured these big issues and big tragedies and these smaller blips in the radar again not to downplay them but they, they just didn't create the same level of struggle um and so i do think at then as as people get wealthy they try to shield their kids from like we said having any sort of struggle whatsoever that doesn't build up any character and grit and so we've gotten to the point where, you know, it, it, the good intention, as we always say, creates the not so good outcome. It, it's not that the intentions were bad. They just people fundamentally don't understand human nature. And as far as we have advanced in terms of technology and whatnot, at the end of the day, we're still humans with the same human flaws. And instead of, you know, trying to embrace them and understand them, people just pretend that that, that human nature doesn't exist. See, that's why I don't have good intentions. I'm terrible to everybody. That's just me out there trying to do some good, Carol. 
<laughs> exactly. You've got to put a little realism back into the world, but people don't want realism. You know, they think apparently money grows on trees or in the government, which, you know, at, at this point in time, it kind of does until it doesn't anymore. Um, but the trajectory of all of this is bad. And as I said, it's not everyone. There is a core group of people in, the, in this country, um, many of whom are first and second generation immigrants who know the other side of the coin, who have studied history, who have lived it, their parents have lived it, or they have that that discipline and teaching and understand what that other side looks like. And unfortunately, there's a whole slew of people who have been schooled by your and my tax dollars uh, who have been taught the exact opposite. And uh, unfortunately, it's to all of our um, uh, the unfortunate situation that all of us have to endure. Carol, when do people on the whole, I mean all of them, not just people on right-wing social media, when do people finally say enough is enough with the lockdowns and the curfews and the this and that? I understand people have various levels of fear when it comes to coronavirus, but I still do not see a society genuinely rebelling against the government telling them what to do. Do we ever get there? I mean, at some point, uh, and obviously this is the, once again, government picking winners and losers. I mean, you have an entire slew of people who've never been in lockdown because they've been told that they were essential over somebody else who is non-essential. So there's a whole group of people who haven't seen any change. There's another group of people who have benefited. So it's the, the people who have been told they're non-essential or whose lives are being impacted, which are a subset of the has and have nots. And you know, obviously individually for each of those people, they have um, different breaking points that at some point, you know, when you can't pay your rent, you can't feed your family and you can't, you know, do whatever the myop, the myopia of just looking at one thing, again, not downplaying coronavirus because it's, you know, it's, a, it's a, a scary thing and it can affect certain vulnerable populations really badly. But looking at just that one thing versus all other health issues, mental health issues, economic issues, the fact that kids um, learning is being slowed down, you know, all of these issues, you can't just look at one thing. It, it hasn't been looked at as a whole. And I think, it, you know, for each person who's being affected by it, there's going to be a different breaking point. And unfortunately, when you don't have that cohesion, um, you don't, you know, you don't get sort of the loud chorus of voices because they all come up ah, instead of at one time. <laughs> that was an actual reenactment, Carol. by the way. That was perfect, Carol. Perfect. Thank you. Carol Roth. Thank you, ma'am. All right, we'll be back. When will this end? When we decide we want it to end. That's, that's just the truth. I don't want to sit and tell you. I don't want to be down and dour, but we're facing a Biden presidency now. What's Joe Biden's base going to be telling him about what they want him to do with coronavirus? I didn't even go in tonight the new bill they're going to pass. Nobody's talking about that either, the new coronavirus stimulus bill. Oh, they're not talking about it yet. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. When will this end? I don't know. But remember, let's remember this. Let's remember how it started. When government told us what to do, and we all, because we were scared, 
agreed to do it. Now, that's not because we need to beat ourselves up over it. We need to remember, so next time it happens, you and I will do better. All right. That's all. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.